0: Because restaurants at the end of the day they're big house. It's like a big house where you can invite in so many friends every night for dinner or for a drink. It's literally the reflection of yourself. And, and that's what I like to do. Is like a big, in a way, it's like a big party every day.
1: This is the Deep in the Weeds Podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. have spoken to many operators who have shared a moment in time, a place, a movement that swept them off their feet and into a career in hospitality. But how do you find that light bulb moment and how do you encapsulate it moving forward as you build your own career? Flavio Carnavale is the owner of Marta in Rushcutters Bay, Sydney. Flavio, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. You've... Uh, had a couple of restaurants in Sydney, one that honoured um, your the cuisine of Basilicata, where you were from, and then um, one of Rome, where you really lunged into hospitality. What, what was it about your time in Rome that really um, lit a fire for you for hospitality?
0: I guess it was the realisation of um, everything that I learned or everything that I didn't know I was learning when I was a child was coming to fruition. Um I was thinking a little while ago that when I was a kid, my uncle and my grandmothers, everyone would take me to to the farm. My grandfather introduced me to hunting uh, rabbit uh, or hunting and my grandmother to cook, and it was like a, just like a normal part of life. And I just never thought really that, you know, somehow some, also sometimes I didn't want to go, but I went. And then when I went to Rome and I got into, you know, into the uh, baking or into hospitality in restaurants and dailies, all that things that I was doing when I was a kid, they just came back like, oh, I know this. I've done that. I learned that. It's like, you know, you don't want it, but in reality you you know exactly what's going on because it's been part of your life since you we were born.
1: Take us back to when you were young. Do you have some stories of, that, of those times in Basilicata and some of the feasts that you have that you remember?
0: Yeah oh one of the funniest things was when my 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 grandfather he was um a professional hunter he also was a farmer he had like many cattle and him and my uncle they have you know they were having um getting dogs ready for the aunts and they were breeding dogs for other people they used to take me for hunting with them but they were just very like for them, it was normal so we, we were hunting um, wild board and they put me on a tree I Say, you stay here yeah, don't worry about it you just stay and yeah, never go down I couldn't understand when I was that little what they were trying to do but then they were held in one board and then when I see the boards up and down and they were carrying it, I say you put me up there with you know hunting a board I'm thinking like if I knew that I would be so scared now I'm thinking back I would never do that but it was just like a normal part and then the what the feast that was coming after that, there was um, it was always the best bit because you know you will go back, do everything you know get get the the skin off you know do the animal and then the next day you're basically, carve it and and basically for two days you know my grandma and and my mother will just you know make in, you know grill or ragu out of it and it was just like a process it was a very again normal but. If you think about back now, it's something that was very uh, unique, put in this way.
1: Italian food is so varied um, all over Italy. And tell us about the cuisine of the region that you grew up in.
0: Uh, it's particularly where I grew up. It was on it's on the middle of um, Campania and, and Puglia. So basically, I grew up in a region that has got a lot of influence from um, you know from the left and the right. Of, from, from the Adriatic Sea and the Tyrrhenian Sea. So the the particular place where I come from, called Rapon is more of a village, uh, literally about 20k each sides from the other two region, has a lot of influence from one and the other. So quite often when I talk to people from one and the other sides, we're talking about culinary experience and tradition, we quite often find the same dessert or the same same pastas. And particularly when I moved to Rome, I I found out one of the first places I worked it was a, a an Amalfi cost restaurant, and in this place I do find we you know share a lot of uh, things with these guys that you know that we were doing that they were doing, and I said, oh, it's, but I'm from here, why well, we're doing that? And then you know with the time that I grew up, I. I find more more similarity, like example, like um, there's a classic dessert we do for Christmas called uh, chickpea. Uh, it's a chickpea raviolo has been uh, fried and it's filled by chickpea and chocolate and spices. Now, through the all through the words Campania, you find that either made with chickpeas or even made with uh, chestnuts. And they're quite often made in a different shape, but the idea is pretty much pretty much the same. Um, or the uh, polenta, or things called the farnata, is basically like a, a deep polenta bread that's uh, been baked under the ashes, and it's got inside uh, sultanas and a lot of a uh, um, and a lot of pork pork lard that's used to 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 use as a mixer to make the the polenta nice and crispy. And, again, I find that going to, you know, talking to some people from Puglia or talking to some people from, uh, from Campania, um, very uh, unique style of food, very uh, designed to the way to don't waste anything. I mean, Italian cuisine and most of Italian cuisine, they're very – um, th- it comes from a very poor, uh, background. So, you know, we used to recycle everything or, you know, use every single part of the animal or every, every bit from what the land will give us and, and cook something or make something. Um, definitely the, definitely Basilicata, it'd be one of the poorest, uh, region, uh, in the South was, they were very mastering all that, uh, but the food that would come out of it was just delicious. As you know, as forged me, like even now, I'm just. Uh, I think some of the best things I ever created, or ever made, come from a maybe a mistake or maybe something that we wanted to um, to remake in something. And just then, you know, the ingenuity that you put in that particular thing it just comes out. Uh, sometimes, you know, most of the time, something delicious.
1: What well, led to the move to Rome and immersing yourself in the hospitality sector there?
0: So I decide. So I always had this desire of uh, become an artist. So I always started um, in Italy when you go to high school, you decide, you can decide what kind of path you like to have, like you know, an artistic one, or or different or scientists, or different kind of a way. So. I wanted to be an artist, so I studied architecture, music. I learned to paint, to to sculpture, and all that. So I wanted to become a, a screen uh, screen designer. So I had to. I moved to Rome. So, but I wanted to also. Uh, I had to maintain myself, so I had to start to find a little little work in a in a bakery, in a daily first, which gave me a lot of uh, um, a lot of basis. In a way, because I learned to bake, I learned to, you know, the the heart of cheeses, how to cut it and how to the bone prosciutto and, you know, all, all different kind of style. And then I moved to hospitality through a friend. They were looking for um, a runner in this restaurant and I wanted to change and work at night because I needed more time to study during the day. So when I went to when I moved to this place, the first restaurant I ever worked in Rome, uh, it was run by the Garde on a Bar della Pascia, It was a very famous restaurant in Ro- a bar in Rome where all the stars would go. I will always full of someone that was somebody was there. And so basically, I moved to this I moved to this restaurant knowing a little, very little of how to uh, to actually serve people and do all that, but the experience the um, the vitality of a roman of a roman hospitality was a very uh, embracing so it became like a, a very addic- addictive so you know you wanted to work every day you wanted to be there you wanted to learn you wanted to see people um, it, it got me it got me into it become the uh, that bug that people say the the hospitality bug the you know service that that's basically what it got me that to the point I I stop uh, starting and I said that's what I want to do I want to become I want to be part of this world.
1: How different is the hospitality uh, industry in Rome compared to uh, Sydney where you are now?
0: It is it is very different. Um, I think I think Sydney think Australia, in the past twenty years, has completely changed it, and in a way, got ahead of the game compared to uh, even Europe. Uh, in some in some respects, uh, there is definitely more attention to detail. There is a lot more. Um, we're more competitive. We are more looking at what they're doing overseas, and we're always trying to. Um, to embrace and to make it better, but I find sometimes uh, not everywhere, but somewhere, some places overseas, they is because they have the uh, the history of it and they got the you know the school and all that. They become a little bit more relaxed and a little bit more uh, too rigid, uh, too stiff on how the service should be done and what you need to do instead here yeah, i think we we're looking more customers more like what they need what they like how can we make them happy uh, without be not true of ourselves but become a lot more more accommodating that's what's really true hospitality is you know making people that come to you be feel comfortable um don't really have to tell them what to do how did
1: you end up making the move to australia
0: I met my cousins uh, after many years uh, back to Rome when I was in Rome, and they kind of we kind of one of those really good fun Aussie nights, a lot of uh, a lot of whiskey and a lot of uh, <laughs> and finish the next morning, and so it's so after many years, and I kind of said, look. Do you, you want to learn English? Why don't you come and visit visit us? And I said, "Well, that's a, that's the kind of a life you guys have." I think I like it. I may I may come and see you. So, and then I came um, in October two thousand and one. of October two thousand and one, and pretty much never left. I, you know, fell in love with with Sydney. I thought it was the the best place to live. I was always a dream. Always lived. I uh, always loved, be, uh, you know, going to the beach or be somewhere close to the water and rome was not definitely not that uh, but sydney was the combination of a great you know great big city with a lot of water surrounded so i thought that was you know the the best place on earth and and with these uh the food the hospitality the restaurants have completely completely evolved there's been a period probably in the last Fifteen years that went the restaurant in Sydney they completely flat. there was like a, there was a switch that happened in fifteen years ago. It went from a an okay restaurant situation to something completely you know same as you could be in New York you can be in any other city in the world they got nothing to. Uh, to be less than all these big uh, big international cities, because the quality of the food just went up a notch overnight,
1: what did you think of uh, Italian restaurants in Sydney and Australia when you first landed here? Were they quite different to what you were used to?
0: there was like it was like being in Rome in all these tourist restaurants they we would never go, and it was just like a thousand of those. It was a nightmare. You can now go to a restaurant and have a coffee that there was a decent call even can call a coffee. Uh, I remember working places where there were uh, boiling pasta and cooking it from already cooked, like it was not even pre-cooked for a little bit to kind of hell it was literally cooked, and they were like it was so, it was so disgusting I could not seriously uh, think into it out uh, to it out uh, to an Italian restaurant. I think I went to more uh, Japanese an entire restaurant I've never been in my life. That was until I I went to probably I went to work at Fratelli Paradiso and then I say, okay, if someone <laughs> cooks Italian properly, yeah, I can I can finally I can finally have some proper proper Italian food except for my auntie. But it was it was very, very poorly done. And it was done by most of the it was by people that were uh, doing it just for the for the money really they had no really a restaurant background or it was it was embarrassing you know we were all, everyone were coming from Italy said, "Oh gosh you know we're not gonna go to Italian we're going to something else uh, same as pizza but but now is you can find a you know a good Italian restaurant is much much easier than before.
1: A part of that uh, evolution that you spoke of in the last 15 years has been a real focus on regional Italian, not just Italian restaurants, but specific to different regions of, of Italy. Um, what's it been like being part of, of that movement in Australia?
0: Um, that probably comes from the back of what we were talking before, you know, um, everyone is basically was trying to do a menu that was pleasing everyone and have everything on the menu from everywhere in Italy. And so it was like very, no, when you go to Italy, you don't like, if you go to Rome, you eat Roman. If you go to Milan, you eat, you know, food from Milan. Like you don't have everything on the menu from everywhere because that's just not the way we do. And like me, many others or few others, they thought about the same thing. And so the importance of bringing the regional cuisine uh, to Australia to show, like you know, if you're going to hold in Sicily, you're not going to eat polenta. And so basically, that dream came true when I um, when I founded Popolo ten years ago. It was the idea of bringing the food of Basilicata and you know the south of Italy in generally um, to, to Australia to get to people to see what's is different. And what really surprised me the most was that I thought there was things that people did never saw or would never knew. I was wrong. The actual customers that came to my door were people that were actually travelling. The people that were going to Puglia, the people that were going to Campania, to Sicily on holiday, and they were coming back. And I said, "That's what we had. We know this dish. We had this. We know that." And it was like a it was a revelation. Say, "Yes, we can do this." We can give people things that they never they never thought they wanna have. And I have and I remember having you know friends restaurant or other people say, Do you give that or some Italian they've been here for a long time? Do you give this to, to your customers? Say, Yes I do. Do they have do they eat it? And say yes they do. And they do because they went in Italy, they tasted it, they look at, they saw what the Italian, how the Italian eat it, and they appreciate it. And it was like Incredible when we I remember doing a couple of these regional nights, and we done for the first two or three years, I remember the first year we had to extend it, these regional nights for three weeks on the road because we were they were just so become so popular we couldn 't fit any any more people in. I was just and people were coming back. I just came back from Puya yesterday, mostly we were done in in winter our winter. And people say, oh, we just came back from Puyo. uh last week. We had to come back and try this dish again because we had it over there. There was a moment that I that I said, okay, is Charlene are ready to try not just the, you know, the Bolognese. Uh, you know, they've been serving every menu for the last 30 years, but they're ready to avenge to what really Italian food is.
1: Take us back to the first couple of years of Popolo, when you were um, bringing your vision to to light. Were there a couple of dishes that sort of epitomised sort of what the restaurant was doing at that time?
0: Uh, definitely, one was probably the fregola, so the the Sardinian, um, the Sardinian pasta that looks like you know something between a couscous, but we used to cook it as a risotto. So there was definitely. One of the most popular dishes. I remember doing a test of Sydney once, and we did a we, we did done it with a pork, with a, a baby pork ragout. We cooked. I think my my chef, my sous chef at the time, told me that he never deboned so many, uh, so many pork in his life. They say, you know, we I think we we done about 10, 20 animals for the four days festival. It was like something crazy. Uh, people will love it. Another dish that probably um went very well was the the fried uh, seaweed which is a typical dish from uh, from Naples. Um like we do like you do like a little uh, butter like you would do like with a uh, fish and chips and you put a seaweed on the middle. There was uh, again seems like the most was a Japanese a Japanese dish but it was very 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 popular. And uh, and then any uh, any seafood. I mean, the seafood uh, was a big part of uh, the menu. Uh, the menu popo. Um, so that with the dessert, probably the the other one we'd done for a long time was the delizia limone, the lemon, um, the lemon shaped uh, cake filled with limoncello and lemon custard.
1: Popolo was very um, popular with with the industry and, and so many uh, customers as well, but you made the decision to change it um, to Martyr and head down the direction of Roman cuisine. T- tell us about that period of time and why you made that change.
0: Um, back at the time, I felt like we we kind of, in a way, reached um, a point that we needed to, to shake things up, and we were trying to move Popolo into the city and uh, reopen and so because we wanted to give a, a bit more of a not a fine dining but a little step up for what we were doing and so we said okay moving to the location and see if there would be a, a good a, a good way to do it, and and then bring in the um, a more casual uh, kind of restaurant into Rushcutters Bay. So the city never happened, unfortunately, and so that project's been left there waiting for to find the right spot. But then Martha, Martha came along. Um, we felt that the neighbourhood was changed a little bit, and we felt that um, there was a lot more a younger crowd that uh, because in, in the in the first five years, there was a more um, apartment, build, apartment built all around us, and a different crowd um, filled those apartments. And there was a younger generation that wanted a more casual style of, uh, of food. And so I always had this idea, this love of creating um, my time in Rome, do a restaurant that was celebrating my 10 years of living in Rome. And I thought that was the perfect, uh, Marta was the, you know, the location was the perfect spot to recreate this uh, Roman piazza. And so that's why we, you know, I decided to so say, look, Rome is the is the place where I love to bring people to, to to the next journey. And then no one really was doing Roman cuisine and no one really has done much of Roman cuisine in Australia. Um, I remember when, you know, we were doing we were doing the menu and, and bringing all things and, you know, say so doing catch of paper, which has been so now through many, many menus. But back then, five years ago, I, I was the first one to really put it on the menu and say, that's our dish, that's how we do it. We're going to set it on the table. We're going to, you know, mix it in front of customers. And um, Rome, is, Rome is these... Uh, Rome, as we say in Italy, Rome is, uh, is bringing over people from all over Italy. It's got this power of, uh, um, of joining people in a very strange way. And so to me, Rome in Sydney was that, um, that things of bringing community and bringing this different level of people and customers all at once. I remember in Rome you can go to any trattoria and you will sitting next to a politician, but the next time you have next door you'll have a uh, a painter that was just in his lunch break having having played a plate of pasta. So that was the idea when you know when I created Marta to have that convivious of all many different kind of uh, of people all at once, more of a more joyful kind of settings.
1: Marta is a, a beautiful embodiment of your vision of of hospitality and capturing the essence of, of Rome. Why do you think it's been so successful uh, as a restaurant?
0: I think is that um, they're really casual, but not casual. Is I think it's like when I was saying to you before, like you know, you can you can go there and and have a and have a pizza and a beer and you know and go home, but come back the next night with your you know, with your family and, and have a feast, like, you know, and be, you know, stay there for long and, and have a proper, a long dinner. But you can, there was always these things of trying to create these neighbourhood places that you can pop in anytime you want for the coffee, but then you can come back for something, be more serious if you want to. We had people in the past, um, you know, having their engagement day because they proposed to so they. That's where they propose, and then years later, having lucky, you know, taking your restaurant for their wedding. We got, you know, all these little story from people. They come every day. They, you know, come and get their coffee and their croissant now, but then they come back. They want to bring their mum for dinner. Thing is that um, that attachment to something that they think they can, they they part of it, and they can go every day, and and this um, this love. That's basically come true from the years since last few years with COVID when we opened the bakery has been an enormous um, show from people like you know, when COVID hit we I decided to open the bakery. Um few people around me were saying oh, my, my business my business father said to me, Oh are you sure what are you gonna do, how are you gonna open a bakery? Say Don't worry. I'm going to put it together. All the recipe that I've done in past years from Popolo and Martha. Going to get all my old recipe from when I was in Rome, and I'm going to open a bakery, and we'll be fine. We even if we make a little bit of money to just to you know pay the wages. And because I was trying to keep all my stuff with me and don't let it go, so we'll be fine. And I remember it was in the beginning. It was just me and my um, and the guy that makes the ice cream for me. So the two of us. I was serving, he was making coffee. There There's <laughs> two guys in the kitchen cooking. Uh, by the time I, I finished the bake and I come up on the on the front. I remember looking at midday, there was nothing left. The first day. It was literally everything sold out. And I said, okay, these things that could work. And then obviously evolved in something that is completely our own business on his own. But the love of the people they show us in that time and they're still showing us now is just uh, uh, something they, when I say came from Norway, is like I'm not expecting just the, you know, people, you know people, they like you, but when they literally every second person that comes to the counter tells you, and t- tells you, thank you thank you for doing that thank you for, you know that's the highlight of our of well, our weekend during COVID, that was the last time. You know, we stay on more week, and then we come out here on the weekend to buy the treat. It's like you know, that's the best thing. And, and just like it fills, it filled my heart with joy because you know that's what I always wanted to do. You know, that was the idea of Marta, and the bakery kind of put it together. The restaurant we we not. And so now you know you can, you can see when you know. I put a post the other day we're gonna be just gonna hold it for two weeks and the amount of comments and people say, you know, it was just like so it feel make you feel so good, even if it's like, you know, the situation last year has been really, you know, dramatic, tragic or whatever, you know, but it just it gives you the word the it gives you to keep going. So yes, I can do that because you know, I know that there's an audience that just really likes what do you do.
1: The the business has forced to change during this time in the last two years with COVID and the real success with the bakery side of things. But what sort of impact has it had on you? Has it changed your views of what you want to do in hospitality and the way you see your future?
0: Um, Yeah, a little bit, definitely. definitely has has definitely given me a different perspective of how business, um, you know, balance a life, also how um, I see uh, restaurants uh, going for it, but also I rediscover a passion uh, on, you know, on baking that has given me, um, definitely given me um, another strength. You know, you know, be there at 2 a.m. or 1 a.m. in the morning, you know, you're by yourself, you just, you know, you do you create, you think, but you got that excitement it's like a it's like having another life into into your own life. Um, it's definitely you know made me think that there is a little bit more to a restaurant than just a restaurant itself. Uh, definitely mm-hmm. want me um, it's prone me to think about uh, the idea of uh, opening a a bakery one day. I really love it. I enjoy it so much. I I enjoy the relationship with the customer which is a very different from when they're sitting at the table. And I like the the fact that it is a it is a mix of bit of both. So you can you have a you know, you having a, a break from serving on the table, but you're having a break from serving on the counter. At the counter you have a bit you know, be more of a quick chit chat and you know and you, you build your relationship with people uh, over many chit chat and then becomes your regulars and and the rest of the easy studies be, you kind of sometimes get to know someone a lot more since you could obviously be with you for an hour or more so you have more opportunity to talk. To talk. Um, so definitely the more, the div- diversify of a business itself in one business is definitely something that as uh, COVID and the old situation has, has um, teach me.
1: There's still challenges, and particularly um, staff shortages and challenges associated with that at the moment. But how are you feeling about the year ahead? Are you optimistic about the moving forward in 2022?
0: I have to. I think there is no hope. I have to be optimistic. I have to. I have to think that um, you know. In 2022, things will settle and we will find, uh, you know, able to fund people a little bit easier and to put ourselves back on track uh, like we were, you know, two years ago. So, you know, we need, hopefully people will start arriving from Italy or from, you know, from Europe because we do need people that come from overseas to to fill the shortage. We definitely don't have all these workers in Australia and we do need People to help us. We all are knee. Like, you know, the last two, three weeks of, uh, you know, the end of December, the beginning of January, they've been probably the toughest one. I, not even during COVID, I felt so hard to, to open and to, to go through. The bakery was the only thing that functioned with no problem, without, uh, because the model is very, uh, very simple in a way. So it's like it can function with four people instead of restaurants, it can't function with four people, two, two of the back house and two of the front house. It's just not, you can't manage that. Um, but I, I am confident. I think people will start to be back to Australia. I think by, you know, hopefully by May, June, May, June this year, we'll be back to a normal, um, a normal life. And hopefully Australia will attract uh more european that's uh they're the one they obviously enjoy the hospitality work more than any others um and we'll be back on track but you know there's always a but and there's always a think yeah, basically I'm thinking every day what could be the next thing that I can do if this is not the case well how can we how can we make it work basically
1: you're not one to seek the limelight and yet marta is one of the most popular uh, restaurants uh, and Italian experiences in Sydney, what is it that you love about what you do
0: oh, I think i no, I think i i with ease i I looked back when I was young and and what I like is the fact that I'm basically able to to bring back my my all life experience into what I do into restaurants so from you know, cooking, designing the restaurants, you know, drinking the wine, everything I think is a is a journey that you, you bring is you bring back in and I think that journey of your life is in restaurant because restaurant at the end of the day they're big house. It's like a big house where you keep inviting so many friends every night for dinner or for a drink. It's literally the reflection of yourself. And and that's what I like to do is like a big, in a way, it's like a big party every day. And that's that's what it really it motivates me because, you know, when someone comes home, comes for dinner and I cook dinner for them, I got really, I got frenetic in a way. Like, you know, you try to push yourself to, you know, give them good time, give them good food, you know, you got your pride in all that. And when people come to the restaurant, it's the same thing. The only difference is you don't know them. That is the same it's the same pressure if you if you would know them you know you want to give them good time you want to give them good food you want to you want to make them happy you know they're having a date with someone they're taking their family they just want to be there relax enjoy and and think wow okay that there was there was a really good dinner last night you know we must go back it, that's basically what it what it pushes me um, the idea of that big big house party that people come to you for dinner and they just feel happy and and that's really uh, my biggest motivation to be honest
1: well as someone that's experienced the joy of the offering that you have um, hats off to you with, with what you do it's absolutely extraordinary and we've loved having you on Deep in the Weeds today to hear a bit of your story um, please keep in touch and
0: we'll catch up again soon oh thank you very much thank you for having me there was a very nice of you to have me in, and we'll hopefully chat soon. Ciao, Antonio.
1: This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we take a deep dive into the lives of the incredible people who ply their trade in the food and hospitality sector. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds podcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au Stay safe and be well.